The local government news roundup is proudly supported by Davidson. For 30 years, Davidson has been strengthening the local government sector by identifying and providing the people, expertise and experience that local government needs to enhance its capability, productivity and performance. Davidson is nationally recognised for its executive recruitment services and over the past four years has built a business advisory practice rapidly evolving into one of the nation's foremost and trusted local government business consultancy firms. The Davidson methodology and approach is simple. Thinking beyond now and aiming to be a valued partner with your local government, not just for the immediate project, but for the next 30 years. Speak to Justin Hanney or Seamus Scanlon to find out more or head to davidsonwp.com.au. Davidson, your future, your partner. Time for the Local Government News Roundup. I'm Chris Eddy and on the podcast today, a councillor escapes conviction after a self-confessed act of stupidity in a CEO recruitment process. As a new CEO takes the reins at Greater Geelong, the outgoing CEO reveals the organisation was on a path to insolvency. Councils front a Senate inquiry into the cancellation of the Commonwealth Games. A survey reveals which councils are taking a position on the voice referendum. A New South Wales council in limbo as a demerger process drags on. A contentious cat trapping program divides community opinion. And safety concerns in South Africa as a local councillor is murdered. Just some of the many local government stories getting our attention today. Let's round them up. Thanks for joining me for the podcast today. It's brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, the national broadcaster on all things local government, and by SnapSendSolve, in the business of keeping shared spaces safe, clean and great to be in. Firstly, in Victoria, and Mildura councillor and celebrity chef Stefano De Pieri has pleaded guilty to misusing his position when he advised a potential candidate for the council's CEO position to talk about gender equality to the interview panel. The ABC, The Herald Sun and others have reported on the case this week in which the court heard that fellow councillor Helen Healy observed councillor De Pieri sending a text message to the candidate, Brett Millington, about gender equality during a break in the interview process. Mr Millington did not receive the messages as his phone was switched off. The interview process continued without councillor De Pieri, who later admitted to his actions and said he wasn't thinking, describing it as a brain fart and an act of stupidity. The defence argued that his actions were a spur-of-the-moment decision and not premeditated. Magistrate Michael Coglin acknowledged Councillor De Pieri's contribution to the community and his good character. He's been placed on a three-month good behaviour bond and no conviction was recorded. He was also required to make a $1,500 donation to the court and to pay prosecution costs of $8,500. As Ali Wasty commenced work this week as the new CEO of Greater Geelong, the outgoing acting CEO and the city's mayor have been in the news for different reasons. Karina Filand, who spent nearly 12 months as the council's acting CEO, provided some parting thoughts in a weekend LinkedIn post that has been picked up by local media outlets. 
In her post, Ms Farland described the operations of the council as increasingly unsustainable and compared it to an organisation heading into insolvency in respect of the decisions that needed to be made. She spoke of struggling against powerful interests and a call for visionary leadership. Mayor Trent Sullivan has this week welcomed Ali Wastey to the council at a time when it is facing economic pressures and increased demands from population growth. He said he is confident that Ali will have a positive impact on the organisation and will work hard to deliver the best outcomes for the community. Meanwhile, Mayor Sullivan has told a Senate inquiry about concerns that the Council would have been asked to contribute up to $50 million for the now cancelled Commonwealth Games. According to a report from the Geelong Advertiser, the Mayor also claimed the Council was not kept informed by the State on plans to move the Aquatic Centre for the Games to a temporary facility at Armstrong Creek. Bass Coast Mayor Michael Whelan has also given evidence to the Senate inquiry this week, expressing the Council's disappointment that the cancellation of the Games torpedoed an innovative athlete hosting plan that the Council estimated would have injected millions of dollars into the region. Councillor Whelan confirmed that consultants and local suppliers had been engaged to work on the plan in partnership with the City of Casey and that meetings with Wales and Scotland were happening as the cancellation news came through. One council that has not presented to the inquiry is Greater Bendigo, despite the proceedings happening in its municipality. The council told the Bendigo Advertiser this week that it declined the invitation to speak as it did not feel it was in a position to comment, given its role had not yet been confirmed when the Games were cancelled. Hume City Council has withdrawn its appeal against a VCAT decision which cleared one of its councillors of serious misconduct. Councillor Trevor Dance had challenged the outcome of a councillor conduct panel last year, which sought to impose a three-month suspension after he refused to attend arbitration hearings on mental health grounds in 2021. In December last year, VCAT cleared Councillor Dance of the charge and found that his mental health claims should have been given more serious consideration by the panel. The council then lodged an appeal against the finding, citing wider governance matters of relevance to the local government sector that needed to be clarified. According to the Star Weekly, the council withdrew its appeal last week, and Councillor Dance has now called for a review of his case and the council's expenditure on pursuing it through legal processes. A regional council CEO has called on the government not to strip planning powers from councils and their communities and to work with councils to focus on the prevention of corruption across all levels of government. Wellington Shire CEO David Morecambe told the Gippsland Times that his council is appalled by the behaviour described in the Operation Sandon report. He said it was unacceptable and not what local communities expect from their elected representatives. Mr Morecambe said a change to planning protocols that reduce the ability for local issues to be fully understood will be of concern. And he said that his council encourages the state government to question if it can responsibly allocate resources to support local planning controls. In the Victorian briefs, a countback has been conducted to fill a vacancy on Greater Geelong City Council. It's resulted in the election of Elise Wilkinson. The vacancy was created by the resignation last month of former Mayor Stephanie Asher. The VEC will confirm the result once the necessary eligibility declarations have been completed. 
Cardinia Shire Council has received a $55,000 grant to connect young people with local farming jobs. The Future Proofing Farming Project aims to increase job and education opportunities for young people in agriculture and create a sustainable and resilient local food system. Mayor Tammy Radford said it's hoped the project will create more job opportunities and involve young people in shaping the future of their local food system. Glen Elkshire Council will no longer lead citizenship ceremonies, awards or civic events on January 26 from next year. The decision follows a month-long consultation process with nearly 500 responses and around 60% in favour of making the changes. And tributes have been paid to former Southern Grampians Shire Councillor Greg McAdam, who has passed away after a period of ill health. Mr McAdam resigned from the council in April this year due to his health issues. The former two-term councillor is being remembered for his extensive community involvement over a long period of time. As a referendum on an Indigenous voice to Parliament draws closer, an ABC survey has revealed just 16 of Victoria's 79 councils have formally endorsed a yes vote, with none indicating they would support a no vote. Twelve metropolitan and four regional councils have formally backed a yes vote, including Melbourne, Marybeck, Hobsons Bay, Greater Shepparton and Surf Coast Shire. Mildura Rural City Council last week resolved to take a publicly neutral position on the voice referendum after seeking advice from its local traditional owners advisory committee. In a report to its August council meeting, advice was tabled from the Nagiwa Yana committee, which confirmed that a consensus view was not possible due to a diversity of opinion amongst individuals and groups. The council resolved to respect that diversity of views and committed to sharing clear and unbiased information while encouraging residents to actively inform themselves on the issue. That is emerging as the default position of most councils, with many confirming to the ABC that they won't be taking a formal position, but will instead encourage residents to inform themselves and prioritise community engagement with the vote. You're listening to the Local Government News Roundup with Chris Eddy. Now for a look at some of the stories making local government news across the country this week. In New South Wales, Cootamundra Gundagai Regional Council is planning to take a motion to the State Conference of Local Government New South Wales seeking government assurances that a planned demerger would proceed before next year's council elections. A report from the Daily Advertiser says the council is in limbo 12 months on from the demerger announcement with progress described by its Mayor Charlie Sheehan as slow. He said a number of people are in interim roles, including the General Manager, leaving the organisation vulnerable. The concerns come as another New South Wales Council prepares to submit a business case for a demerger to the Minister for Local Government. Snowy Valley's Council Mayor Ian Chaffee said the business case would be submitted in two weeks' time, and he hoped they could learn from the Cootamundra Gundagai process. There is still an open question about how any demerger would be funded, with no commitment given from the Minister at this time. A contentious cat-trapping plan from Lane Cove Council is dividing opinions in the community. The council in Sydney's Lower North Shore is proposing to classify local bushland as wildlife protection zones in order to protect native animals from predators, including cats. Current legislation permits cats in bushland areas, but not wildlife protection zones. The reclassification would give the council the ability to conduct strategic trapping programs targeting cats. 
The Daily Telegraph reports that the trapping plan has the support of environmental groups but has prompted concerns from cat owners, some of whom are concerned about the potential for cats to be injured. Critics want the council to use alternative measures such as barriers around bushland and education of cat owners about desexing and measures to encourage cats to stay home. In South Australia, another cat-related story and a warning that this may be distressing for some listeners. Mount Gambia City Council has been issued with a caution by the RSPCA after a council worker killed an injured cat with a hammer rather than take it to a vet. According to a report from the ABC, the cat had been hit by a car and the RSPCA acknowledged the officer's actions were out of compassion and concern for the animal's suffering. However, it advised that seeking a vet's help would have been a better course of action. The council says it will update its procedures to reflect the RSPCA's advice. A sacked backhoe operator at Victor Harbour Council has been ordered reinstated by a tribunal, which found it was wrong for the council to have dismissed him over a drink driving charge. The Victor Harbour Times has reported this week that Craig Stevens lost his licence on New Year's Eve last year and his employment was terminated as a result. Mr Stevens successfully argued that he had been denied procedural fairness and an opportunity to explain the duties that he could carry out without a licence. The council's decision to terminate because a driving licence was an inherent requirement of the role was found by the tribunal to not be a valid reason for dismissal in the circumstances. The council is reviewing the decision and seeking advice on appeal options. It's been ordered to reinstate Mr Stevens and pay his wages for this year. In Queensland, a long-standing mayor has announced that he will retire at the next elections in March 2024. Graham Lehman has been the mayor of Somerset Regional Council for 20 years, after first being elected as a councillor at Eskshire Council in 1994. The council has recognised Councillor Lehman's profound impact on the region and a legacy of progress and resilience that he will leave behind. And Southern Downs Regional Council will remedy a transcription error that resulted in some rural properties being overcharged for their rates. The error impacted ratepayers in two categories and a rebate will be granted to reverse any potential financial hardship experienced. Mayor Vic Panisi has apologised for the error which has impacted a small but as yet unrevealed number of ratepayers. And in Tasmania, Meander Valley Council has appointed its new general manager. It has looked within in choosing Jonathan Harmy, its former director of corporate services, to lead the organisation into its next phase beyond the state government's future of local government review. The appointment was made on the 8th of August and officially announced this week. Mr Harmy has already commenced in the role. The vacancy arose when former GM John Jordan announced in June that he would not be seeking reappointment at the conclusion of his contract term. To the national briefs, eligible pensioners in New South Wales can now apply for a rebate on their council rates. The state government is funding 55% of an annual concession of up to $250 per property for ordinary rates and domestic waste charges. Townsville City Council has warned residents to be prepared for an expected king tide this week. The king tide of up to four metres is predicted to impact low-lying areas between Tuesday night and Thursday night and the council has asked residents in areas prone to minor flooding to take the necessary precautions. 
A new report from the Western Sydney Regional Organisation of Councils reveals a collaboration between eight Western Sydney councils has saved $36 million in energy costs since 2019. The program has reduced combined greenhouse emissions from the councils by more than 500,000 tonnes, equivalent to taking 125,000 cars off the road each year. And the Hillshire has identified a park to be renamed in honour of the late Queen Elizabeth II. Mayor Dr Peter Gangemi proposed a renaming last year and the council has now announced that the Roxburgh Park Rose Garden in Balcombe Hills will become the Queen Elizabeth II Memorial Rose Garden in honour of the late monarch who passed away in September last year. Now on the Local Government News Roundup, it's time for the International Spotlight. And it's quite a mixed bag in the International Spotlight today. In the Philippines, firstly, a local mayor has been removed from office and charged with graft in relation to the alleged anomalous procurement of construction materials. Teddy Tumang, the mayor of Pampanga, was investigated by the office of the Ombudsman, which found probable cause to charge him with 71 different counts, including 64 under the anti-graft and corrupt practices legislation. Philstar Global reports that at least five other individuals have also been charged, including a municipal engineer and an administrative officer who have been ordered dismissed for grave misconduct. Meanwhile, a movement for good governance is taking shape in the Philippines, with nearly 150 mayors last week signing a manifesto against corruption. The manifesto includes a 10-point guide for honesty, accountability, citizen participation, rule of law, responsible resource management and innovation in governance. One of the lead conveners, Baguio City Mayor Benjamin Magalong, says they plan to invite more local chief executives to join the Mayors for Good Governance movement, but he's concerned that some mayors are not willing to give up perks and privileges. The safety of local representatives is a serious concern in South Africa, with a recent wave of violence targeting councillors. A ward councillor in the Mazanduzi municipality has been murdered, gunned down along with a passenger in his vehicle. Two suspects have been arrested in connection with the murder of the 45-year-old councillor Mabhungu Makizi, who was described as a rising star in the development of his community. The country's local government association said the horrific incident was a stark reminder of the grave challenges facing public servants and the dangerous environments in which they sometimes operate. The Parliament in New Zealand is debating a bill to allow 16-year-olds to vote and be elected as councillors in local government elections. The website Newsroom reports that supporters believe it's an opportunity for New Zealand to lead the world and address issues like climate policy. Opponents are concerned about the maturity and decision-making abilities of 16- and 17-year-olds. Those opponents include many mayors and councillors who argue that adding young voters may dilute overall voter turnout. A court has ruled that a voting age of 18 is inconsistent with the Bill of Rights Act. By 2028, it's estimated that there will be around 134,000 16 and 17-year-olds in New Zealand who would be eligible to vote. And Auckland Council is on the hunt for a 205-year-old Crimean War cannon which was stolen recently just before it was due to be relocated. A council truck driver turned up to collect the cannon which had been in place in Okahu Bay for 71 years only to find it missing. 
Security footage shows the cannon being loaded onto a flatbed truck before being driven away. As the website Stuff reports, if the thieves were hoping for a big payday, they were likely sorely disappointed. The cannon's value as scrap metal has been estimated at just $200. And we've made it to the end of another roundup. That's the edition for the 30th of August 2023, brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association with support from Snaps Ensol. You can find links to the stories referenced in this episode and a full transcript at lgnewsroundup.com. While you're there, check out the latest breaking news updates and learn how you can support the Roundup by becoming a subscriber through a small monthly contribution, which you can cancel at any time. Thank you so much to those who've chosen to contribute thus far. It's greatly appreciated. The Local Government News Roundup is recorded in the city of Greater Geelong, Victoria, on the land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. More of the latest Local Government News comes your way on the weekend. Until then, thanks for listening and bye for now. I'm delighted to welcome a new supporting sponsor to the Local Government News Roundup family. It's Ventio a leading essential infrastructure services provider, redefining service excellence for communities across Australia and New Zealand. Ventia is operating at over 400 sites and with a large and diverse workforce of over 35,000. They specialise in the long-term operation, maintenance and management of critical public and private assets and infrastructure across a broad range of industry segments, including defence and social infrastructure, infrastructure services, telecommunications and transport. For local government, Ventia specialises in the end-to-end delivery of open space management, soft and hard facilities management, street cleansing, minor capital works and much more. Ventia brings capability in whole-of-life asset management and robust use of data for better decision-making for their clients. Ventia, making infrastructure work sustainably for our communities. Head to ventia.com to find out more.